Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. What's up, mountain bikers? Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Thanks very much for being here, and I am here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. If you're a beginner, just getting into mountain biking or a seasoned pro, this show is for you. We won't bombard you with technical jargon, just straightforward conversations and information. So I hope you really enjoy. Now, I just want to say a big shout out to the guys that are reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you so much for your five-star reviews. That is awesome. I really do appreciate that and I appreciate you getting involved and doing that for me and for the show. It just helps the show be found better on iTunes. And the guys that are downloading and listening via Stitcher on the Android phones, again, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. It all helps. On today's show, we'll be chatting about the old debate of flat pedals versus clipless. And we will be chatting with James Wilson, owner and founder of Pedaling Innovations. We'll be talking with James about why he strongly believes you should be using flat pedals over clipless. James has done a lot of his own research into the pedaling stroke and has come to the conclusion that clipless is not the way to go. So, I know a lot of you ride clipless out there, but it is a great episode, so please do listen. And James has got a lot of info on there regarding flats versus clipless and stuff. It is really interesting listening. So James provides us with his evidence on the podcast of what he has found during his research and what his conclusions are regarding the use of flats versus clipless pedals. But James also believes that the flat pedals available on the market at this time are also not great at helping the pedal stroke. So James made the decision to create, design and produce his own pedal, the Catalyst pedal. So we talked to James about why he felt the need to manufacture a new pedal, how he went about designing the pedal, where they're manufactured, what they're made of, the difference between the Catalyst pedal and other flat pedals out there and why it works better, the advantages the Catalyst pedal gives you, price of the pedal, where you can make a purchase, all that kind of stuff. We, we go into that in a wee bit more detail. So it's a great episode it's great listening, and as I say, whether you're in the clipless or the flat camp, doesn't really matter. It's a great episode. You'll find out lots about how James believes the body works in a way to work with flats more so than clipless and things like that. It's very interesting. Um, a wee bit different take on it from what you'd probably hear regarding the subject. So it's cool, and James was really good to come on the podcast and chat about it, and he's he's very, very in tune with, with the whole body movement side of things as well and how how you react on the bike and how that's all reacted through your pedals so it's a good listen so please tune in put your feet up and um, listen to the podcast you won't be disappointed thanks for your time folks i hope you enjoy james welcome back welcome to the mtb tribe thanks so much for coming back on the show um it's great to have you here how's things with you oh they're great gareth i really appreciate uh the chance to come back and, and talk with you again and uh yeah man no i'm excited to uh decided to do the podcast awesome awesome now the last time for anybody that that hasn't heard um i think it was episode 16 you were on you were on chatting about your mtb strength uh programs and training programs and stuff like that but today you're going to talk about your pedal company um pedaling innovations 
So that's yes. that's really exciting. I, I love chatting about stuff like this. It's awesome. Uh, so for the listeners out there uh, that didn't listen to episode 16 or don't know of you, James, just give us a wee, a short, brief uh, overview of who you are and what you do. Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a strength coach by trade. Uh, I've been into mountain biking since 2000, and in 2005, I decided to kind of merge the two things together and launched a website and created MTV Strength Training Systems. And really my mission was to share the lessons that I had learned in applying good, proper uh, strength training to my goal of becoming a better mountain biker. Because when I first got into mountain biking, good strength and conditioning info was almost impossible to find for cycling and, and particularly for mountain biking. And so uh, that was my motivation to, to do that was to share that. And over the years, I've had the chance to work with uh, some top riders and, you know, a lot of people both through my training facility and through the online programs and my bikejames.com website. And, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, a lot of fun helping, helping riders through that. And then a few years ago, I had the idea for a, a new bike pedal, and it was really this merging of my passion for mountain biking and strength coaching. And as a strength coach, I was into barefoot running and barefoot training. If anybody's seen my my training videos, you know, I sometimes people are always pointing out like you're barefoot, man. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, crazy, you know, like it freaks people out to see someone working out with weights without shoes on because they're yeah. like, oh, you're gonna hurt yourself. It's like, man, I got news for you. I've dropped plates on my toes. Like those shoes ain't gonna do much. But anyways, <laughs> so you know, just being into the the barefoot training stuff, like the book Born to Run, had a really big big influence on how I looked at. Uh, the the foot and you know getting it strong and applying strong functional movement uh, to what we were doing in the gym and one day I just had this realization out on the trail I was, I was sitting there and I was sipping on my Camelback and I was just thinking I was like man why don't I need stiff soled shoes in the gym you know why on the on the trail I you know I was a flat pedal rider been a long time flat pedal advocate I've, I've got the flat pedal revolution manifesto uh for for those that haven't read that one um but anyways but you always had this compromise that you had to do with your shoes it was either like a soft sole shoe that was more comfortable but you gave up some power and and it just didn't really uh you know work as well and or you had a stiffer sole shoe but man they were just not very as comfortable and and your feet would go numb especially if you rode clipless pedals you're in really stiff sole shoes and so I'm like, man, why do we need stiff sole shoes to squat and deadlift in the gym? Why can't I go in there and, you know, lift all this weight barefoot and my foot is strong and stable and I get on my bike and it turns into this weak, unstable mess. And and I literally had one of those proverbial light bulb moments where this <laughs> voice comes out of nowhere and says, it's because the ground supports both ends of your arch when you're in the gym. I was like, that's it. Like the arch is one of the strongest forms in nature, but only if you support both ends of it. Mm -hmm. And if you destabilize one end of an arch, the whole thing goes to crap. And that was the whole problem with all the bike pedals that uh, we had up to up to that point was they'd all been designed to push through the ball of the foot, which is based on a, a misunderstanding of how the foot you know, is working and applying movement to the bike, which we can get into more here in more detail later. But um, the point is, is that was my inspiration. I realized like I needed to create a platform for my foot that would, uh, um, support both ends of my arch and support my foot more naturally like the ground did. 
And so, uh, so yeah, so that was, you know, kind of my background and how the, the, it turned into an idea for the bike pedal. And that was a little over three years ago. We've been selling the, the catalyst pedal for a little over two years now. And, uh, yeah, it's done, done really well. It's gotten great reviews and, um, you know, you got a pair on, on your bike, which is mm -hmm. one of the reasons you invited me back on cause you yeah. liked it so much. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it cause I think that it's going to, to me, it's going to help cycling and cyclists in a lot of different ways. And, you know, the, what I've discovered in this journey is that clipless pedals were never better, especially for just your, your average cyclist. We just had shitty flat pedal designs. And that once you once you stabilize the foot and you get a good flat pedal design, it takes care of a lot of the issues that you think you need to attach your foot to the pedal for. And so that is going to really, I think, help grow cycling in the long run. Because as much as people don't want to admit it, one of the biggest hurdles to the growth of our sport, there's so many people who don't even want to try mountain biking because they associate it with having to uh, use clipless pedals. And they don't want to do it because it's a scary proposition to them. And so, um, so anyways, yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's an exciting product on a lot of different levels, but, uh, so anyways, there you go, man. That was a little bit more than you'd asked for. But. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing, you know, James, since I started, you know, following you on Instagram and socials and stuff is that you see photos of people with the the catalyst pedal on mountain bikes but you also see them with the pedal on bmx and different types of bikes so it stretches right across yeah a lot of road bikes yeah. uh use them um bmx bikes in fact our uh i've had a survey going since i uh started selling the pedals i just send people after they you know invest in a pair of pedals because i just like to learn more about who's who's buying my pedals i just mm -hmm. you know like to know more about my customers and um it uh surprisingly enough the road biking is one of the it's either number two or three but it's it's right there behind mountain biking as the you know top thing selected for what type of riding do you do with these pedals yeah. and so that's one of the things is that uh yeah it's not just for mountain biking it is for any type of cycling like when you really look at it you realize like this midfoot position and the stability provided by this pedal, like this is how you're supposed to power a bike. This is how you're supposed to apply good functional movement to a bike. And no matter what you're doing, whether you're commuting, whether you're in a spin class, whether you're a triathlete, whether you're, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're using your feet to, to, to power something, uh, you know, the bike, then like, this is what you should be using. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, certainly and let's get into a wee bit james about about your pedals where they're manufactured because they are a lovely lovely produced pedal they're, they're very light um yeah but you know they look the part they're they're 100 percent. so when you were starting when you were thinking of designing the pedal where did that all come from did you simply sit down and put pen to paper and, and just draw what you thought you needed um yeah, I know, I know with your movement coaching and stuff like that, you know, you probably had a fair idea what you needed. But how did that process all start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's actually it's uh, it, that was a very interesting process for me because again, like going through that, you, that's not something they generally teach you in school. Uh, <laughs> how to go through a process of going from an idea to getting it manufactured and getting it into people's mm -hmm. hands and stuff like that. So, um, no, I, I I did. I came home that day after I had that idea on the trail. 
And I did the proverbial, you know, it wasn't a napkin. I pulled out a piece of paper, but I did some <laughs> sketches on the paper, just kind of showing my idea of like, okay, I need a platform that's going to connect both ends of the arch. And this is kind of the problem with your, your current pedal designs. And, and I didn't really have like the design. I just had like the, the idea for it in mind. And so I, I realized that I was going to have to try this and, and see if it worked. And so my first step, I actually found someone to, to do a 3D printed model for it and it was just a block it was just a square block i was like it just needs to be you know yay wide and it needs to be yay long and, and my big thing was i wanted at least five inches which is like 128 uh, millimeters of contact space for your foot like that to me in measuring my foot which I, i'm a size 10 that was uh long enough to connect both ends of my arch with you know a little uh, you know wiggle room back and mm -hmm. forth, and so I knew it would fit a little bit larger foot as well, and, and all this stuff. But anyways, but that five inches was I, I need to see what that five inches does, and uh, so we, I got the three D printed model and I just you know put an axle. I was tearing apart my my flat pedals and hitting up friends over this whole process for axles to throw into into prototype bodies, but. Um, but yeah, I got the 3D printed one, and it was just enough for me to pedal around the parking lot. But I, yeah, as soon as I put on my bike and I pedaled around the parking lot on them, it was like, oh, there's something here. And really, I didn't want there to be, man. To be honest with you, this is the funny thing. Like, I didn't come off that the trail that day thinking like, oh man, I, I'm full speed ahead. Let's manufacture this thing. I actually tried to disprove myself. I didn't want to have to be the guy to bring this to the market. You know what I mean? Like uh, it would be so much easier if this wasn't the case, and I could just keep focusing on, on you know, bike jams and to be string train stuff and and whatever. But uh, but no, from the very first pedal stroke, which you probably experienced yourself, you can tell like your foot. There's just something different. It feels completely different, and the stability that it provides. And so that's what I realized is there's this critical mass that gets reached. Like if you get a little bit under that critical mass you're going to destabilize one end of the arch and then the whole thing doesn't work. And so it can be even just a quarter inch too short and it'll still cause the, the instability and the forward toe tipping and all these other issues that you get with the normal flat pedal. And so that was uh, my first step. And then I wanted to go out on the trail and, and try it obviously. So I found a local uh, guy to, hand do uh i took them the square you know uh 3d printed model that i had and i said i need an aluminum version of this and so he literally created me an aluminum version of those i call them the tanks they weigh like almost 800 grams or something <laughs> like that you know he he took a drill and like drilled some holes in it so it looked a little swiss cheese like but it was still like mm -hmm. a square block do you but, still man, love them Oh, I still got him, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a picture of him on, on the side. I mean, I've got, like, the family tree uh, posted uh, in a few places. But, yeah, I rode those around. But, man, again, so they weighed almost 800 grams. But on my very first ride out, I was – I'm riding, and I'm riding trails that I could – I rode all the time. So I knew very well, like, what gearing I used and how it felt. And I was riding up this one, like, really hard section – and I was just tripping out because I'm like, dude, I'm pushing a harder gear and it feels the same. Like, this is weird, really weird. And, uh, yeah, so even though those pedals weighed so much, they still were making me faster. 
And, but I got some advice from someone like, man, you can't like post a picture of those. You can't show those things. They're way too ugly. Like it's just, it's going to be hard enough to, to convince people to try these things, much less if their first impression of those 800 ground tanks. So I found a, uh, I went back to the guy who helped me and I said, I need something that looks like a production pedal, like something that you would mm -hmm. buy. And this guy happened to be a mountain biker and he was a flat pedal guy and he'd been thinking about it. And, uh, I, yeah, I didn't know, I had no idea of, for the design. He, he just came back to me and was like, here, he had the design that you see today. And he, that was wow. it. That was the first thing he came back to me with. He just did it by hand. And, uh, I was like, man, that's, that, that's beautiful. You know, the I beam and, and the whole just look of it is really, uh, sleek and, and really kind of iconic, I think. And, uh, but it was funny. He couldn't finish it. He gave me one pedal couldn't even get an axle in it because he hadn't like uh, machined the insides to, to fit the axle uh, dimension stuff that I needed. He's just like, man, I, I'm not working here anymore. I've got a new job. So I don't have access to these machines. Mm. And he's like, here's the pedal. He's like, you know, he wouldn't take any money for it. He's like, nah, man, if you get a manufacturer, just give me a pair. And like mm. looking back, I realized like, holy crap, dude, you're usually paying like a lot of money for a design like that and all this stuff. And I literally just had this like, you know, flat pedal angel appear out of nowhere with the design <laughs> and deliver it to me and then disappear again. I've actually tracked the guy down since then and given him a couple pairs of pedals and hooked them up. But, uh, but so I had to track down another guy and say, here's the pedal. I need another one and I need the axles to fit. So I finally got my first set of prototypes that look, you know, really similar to what you have uh, in your hands. And the original prototypes only had, six pins per side they had three on each edge right. and that was plenty for me i didn't even have like super long uh pins like what i realized is once you get that midfoot position you stabilize the forces going into the front and the back of the pedal and now you don't need a ton of pins and super sticky rubber or a concave design or attaching your foot to the pedal or all of these things that we thought you needed that were basically a result of the forward foot tipping that you get from this unstable platform that you're putting your foot on. So, um, so yeah, no, that was, that was kind of the, the process. Once I got that done, I got a few more, um, prototypes made and got some feedback on, on those. And eventually I had a, a riding buddy here in town and in Grand Junction, for people that don't know where it's kind of funny for a small town in Western Colorado, we've got uh, MRP is located here and DT Swiss has their U S offices mm. here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's actually like uh, an interesting, you know, in pedaling innovations here. So it's kind of interesting. There's actually a little hub of, uh, of the cycling industry in this little cool. town. But uh, I happened to have a buddy who was in the industry and I was just talking to him. And at one point he had, uh, like done some work for VP components. And so he put me in touch with uh, Eric Saunders over there and said that he could probably help me with getting the pedal manufactured. And so, yeah, I worked with them over at VP and, and uh, turns out they've got a department kind of helping guys like me who have a, a legitimate idea, um, you know, manufacture it and bring it to market. So for people that don't know VP components, um, they obviously do like their own VP pedals and, and stuff, but they're also one of the largest uh, like third party manufacturers of bike parts uh, mm -hmm. in the world. And so they do a lot of, of parts for really big name companies and stuff like that. There's only like three or four 
major part manufacturers in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny how many, you know, uh, how many people's company stuff is just being manufactured right next to each other. And the only difference really is the, uh, the paint job and the logo gets <laughs> stuck on it. But, um, so yeah, no, I, I went through the process of, you know, they helped me kind of get the design dialed in to, uh, you know, in the meantime, I've been working with a buddy of mine in, in Bend, Oregon to come up with uh, the logo and the packaging and all that stuff. And mm. so I just, I got really lucky, man. I tell people that I, I had the original idea. And then at that point, I just became a conduit for this whole mission for the universe. Cause like I've just had really wonderful people sent my way at key times that looking back, it's like, wow, man, that just, that was really, uh, really cool that that happened the way that it did. But, um, so yeah, you know, eventually got everything set up. I did a, a pre-sale with my list and, you know, being bike James for a while, I'd, I'd, uh, grown a a good following and people trusted me and, you know, appreciated that I I really tried to help people and provide a a good product and, um, you know, for people that did invest in my stuff and Mm -hmm. take care of people. And so I built a a good amount of goodwill with the cycling community. And plus I've been a flat pedal advocate for ever. I mean, like I said, you can look up the flat pedal revolution manifesto and it's a collection of articles and podcasts and all this stuff that I've done exposing the truth and the real science behind the pedal stroke and foot position and what it really says. Like, that's the crazy thing is there is science. There are movement principles behind these mm-hmm. things. They just don't add up. You know, they don't match what the cycling industry tells us. Mm-hmm. And so I've been advocating this stuff for a long time before I ever had the idea for the catalyst pedal. And so, again, man, just looking back, it was really fortunate I was able to, uh, um, you know, have people who are willing to invest in the pedal without ever having seen it just did a pre-sale and was able to, you know, get that first order in and then, um, just kind of kept things rolling. So yeah, there you go, man. That's, that's the history of, of idea to, to, to in your hands. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it funny the way when you have an idea or something like that is really good and you're doing it for the right principles that everything just seems to fall into place. It's weird. It is weird, man. It is weird. You, you, you know. yeah. Yeah, because I'm finding that with the podcast, it's starting to get momentum and everything just seems to click a wee bit smoother or something. I don't know. I can't understand. I don't know. You know, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. It's it's a it's a funny thing. You hate to like, you know, read too much into it, but there's definitely (laughs) definitely something there to having an intention to help versus, you know, others versus just help yourself and how things just. I tell people all the time, man, like, like this, this, it's not a product. Like this thing is a mission to me. Like this is a manifestation of the truth about foot position and pedal stroke on the bike. And so that has been my, like my, the whole driving force behind it has been to, uh, help people. You know, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I get just being in the position I am. I've heard just so many horror stories from people uh, who have quit riding or either were going to quit riding because they'd been hurt or were just finally scared, you know, tired of being scared of, of not being able to get unclipped and falling over. And, you know, eventually they find the flat pedal revolution manifesto or they, they talk to someone who's read it and they start to get like some of this truth. And all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, like, I don't, I can, there's a, a real option for me. And like, to me, that's the, like that's the best thing is when I hear from people who 
Like they're enjoying riding so much more now because they're not being held back by these inadequate pedals, you know, clipless pedals and normal flat pedals that, that are really based on just outdated designs and outdated ideas. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, that's the mission, man. Yeah, well, let, let's get into the pedaling manifesto a wee bit more because I know when you're doing your training uh, programs and stuff, you do a lot of research. You research heavily yourself to find your own conclusions, really. So tell us when you started to do a wee bit of research into flats v clipless, let's say. What what did you find out? What really pushed you in the direction of flats then? Can, can you give us a wee bit of the science behind it, maybe? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I'll even back up a little bit, just kind of my own personal history leading up to it. Um, I, you know started out riding uh flat pedals like everybody else on my bmx bike like that's the funny thing i think most people forget like dude you're not learning to ride flats you already know how to ride flats like most of us rode flats as kids and we did just fine it wasn't until we grew up and became adults that somebody came along and they're like hey you know that thing that you did just fine as a kid never had any problems with you were doing it all wrong buddy let me tell you how to do it better it's like that should be your first sign right there like adults know how to take the fun out of everything right so anyways, I, uh, I started riding mountain bikes at 24, 23, 24, and I mainly did it. I got my first mountain bike to commute to work and eventually I got bored one weekend and I rode up and down a fire road in the hills behind Santa Barbara, California. I was instantly hooked. I was like, holy shit, this is the best thing ever. And so I was just obsessed with, with it from that day forward. And so starting out, I, I had my, uh, the just regular flats and eventually I upgraded my bike. And of course you're told, man, here's clipless puddles. You're going to have to get used to them. You may as well start getting used to them now. And luckily I didn't have like a group of people I rode with. I did a lot of riding by myself. So I didn't suffer from a lot of the peer pressure that a lot of people did. And so in people, if, Santa Barbara, California is like a really famous riding spot in Southern California, and, and it's very rocky, uh, not the kind of stuff that you want to learn to ride clipless pedals in. And so what I was doing was I had one of those old school, you know, the Shimano DX with the, the cage around the clipless. So I was wearing some tennis shoes when I went trail riding, and I was wearing some clipless pedal shoes when I was commuting to try to get used to to ride in clipless pedals. And man, I spent, I would go out and spend dedicated time clipping and unclipping, clipping and unclipping, and just really trying to get it down, you know? And looking back, I'm like, man, that was time I could have spent learning bunny hopping or cornering. Like, why did I waste that time learning some stupid skill like that? But anyways, it was a, uh, I couldn't get to the point where I was comfortable enough unclipping to go out on the trail, but I'd ride them around in the street. And I had that proverbial, uh, pull up to a stop sign and not be able to get on clip moment and fell over. <laughs> and I was hundred like, people waiting they cross the street. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm laying there on the ground and I was like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing here? It's like, I'm having so much more fun on flats. I don't feel like when I'm on these clipless pedals, like I was really disappointed the first time I jumped on them because I thought I was going to feel like I had a freaking rocket booster on my bike. And I'm like, like, this isn't like that much faster than what I can do on my flats. Like, what is this? And, uh, 
So I said, screw it. I'm just going to go get a pair of flats. So I went and bought a pair of uh, BMX flats and, and threw them on my bike. And I, I figured that what I would do is I would ride until I got to the point where I knew it was my, my pedals that were holding me back. And it wasn't just my lack of fitness and skill. And I don't know, crazy thought, right? Um, but, and I also, at this point, had started to ride with a guy who also rode flats. And he was a really good rider. So I knew, I was like, well, he, I can at least get as good as this guy, you know, on flat pedals. So I kind of had some, some things that, you know, set up a little bit different mindset towards flat pedals. And I, I truly, like, I spent years thinking, like, I'm, I'm uh, giving something up riding flats, that clipless pedals really are better, that you need to be spinning circles and, and all of this stuff. But it was just really weird. I, I never got to the point where I felt like my pedals were holding me back. I just kept getting better and better and better. And I'm, I'm out climbing people on clipless pedals. I'm out riding people on clipless pedals. So I'm like, why, why would I want to switch? Like, I don't, I don't feel like it. So that point never came. But... Eventually, you know, to, to get to your question, I got to the point where I was uh, working with some pretty high-level riders. I actually started working with uh, Aaron Gwynn um, before he became a professional racer and, and after when he was working at Yeti, and I worked with the Yeti World Cup team for a couple years. And it was when working with them that I decided that I needed to look into Clipple's pedals more and understand exactly how they worked. So that were I them guys were them guys riding clipless at that time. Oh yeah, James, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, everybody rides clipless. Right. Like, all the pros ride clipless. Like you're not a serious cyclist unless you ride clipless. There was an interesting. I will like kind of uh, a side note. There was an interesting thing that actually is one of the first things that pulled me into this whole flat pedal clipless pedal thing was. And, and I had an interview with Aaron that I posted on my website, and Aaron had said that. Uh, Flats make you better and clipless make you faster. And man, that like people freaked out. They were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Flats make you better. Like, the, no, no. And I, and I, I kind of had to step in and like, you know, in the comment section and be like, Hey man, no, this is, I, this is what he's talking about. And this is how it works. And it's really kind of an eye opening thing for me realizing like, wow, people really don't like flat pedals. There, there's something about, being told that you should be able to ride flat pedals that really rankles people and really gets them defensive. And so it's kind of an eye-opening thing for me. And, and so one, like I said, kind of one of those first shots of the whole like flat pedal revolution um, that I didn't realize is getting myself involved in. But yeah, everybody rode clipless pedals because everyone quote unquote knew that they were better. And everyone quote unquote knew that you had to pull up on the backstroke and push down and all this stuff. Everyone knew this. And so I, I thought I knew it too. And I went into it looking to kind of just understand exactly kind of what the mechanisms were so that I could create better training programs to enhance what they were doing. That was my entire motivation to start to dig into this. And when I started looking, it was I couldn't find much of anything. And that was my first shockers like, well, people act like you can throw a stick and hit five studies. That show beyond a reasonable doubt that yes, clipless pedals are better because you need to pull up on the backstroke and all this stuff. I'm like, where are all these studies? And I, I start asking around and like, well, there's really no studies about that. And eventually I, I had a chance to talk with uh, um, Scott Sharples and Jared Graves, who were uh, Jared Graves, if people don't know, he's a super uber mountain biking stud, uh, BMX uh, Olympian, I'm pretty sure, for Australia. Uh, one of the first enduro 
uh, World Series stars. I mean, the guy just mm-hmm. is a, a, one of the best riders to ever throw his leg over a bike. And Scott Sharples is one of the best coaches. Like he was behind Sam Hill and the whole, you know, Australian invasion. He was a great mm-hmm. World Cup racer himself. And the Australians take that seriously, man. They study everything. And so I was talking to them one night. I'm like, hey, man, I'm just trying to figure some more stuff out about these clipless puddles. Like, you know, where's the studies and, and stuff like that? And they're like, oh, they don't exist. They're not out there. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, clipless puddles are overblown. They're really not that big a deal. I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I'm talking to, like, one of the top coaches and one of the top riders, and they're pretty nonchalant about the whole thing. And Jared's like, yeah, they give me, like, maybe 3 or 4%, but they're really not that big a deal. And... You know, then they tell me about the the legend of Nathan Rennie and setting the uh, the power record at the Australian Institute of Sport on flat pedals, and I was just like, "Wow, this is insane!" And so then I started doing a little more digging and, and reaching out, and I actually started getting people who were sending me some stuff, and I finally started to get some some research behind it. And man, finding out the research actually points in the opposite direction, like two studies that show that pulling up on the backstroke produces less power and burns more energy than simply pushing down hard with the lead leg and letting the trail leg do its thing. In other words, pushing and pulling is BS. Like they've looked at it several times and it's a good theory, but uh, once heard uh, science described as an ugly fact destroying a beautiful theory. Man, that's this is the ugly fact. Like you've looked at it, you've tested it. It doesn't work, right? And it's a beautiful theory, so people don't want to let it go. But yeah, the the science definitely shows pushing and pulling is no good. Uh, there's anecdotal evidence to this as well. Um, you know, the whole ball of the foot thing. They've looked at that and shown that that is not you know pushing through the ball of the foot is doesn't produce more power and it isn't more efficient. But what they did find is that it it puts more stress on your calf and Achilles tendon. And it's harder for you to recruit your hips. Like that's not how your body is supposed to work, you know. And so there's actually, like I said, science and evidence that points to how we should be pedaling our bike. And when you break it all down, you see that, oh, the midfoot position where I'm just driving hard with the lead leg and letting the trail leg you know, you're not, it's not interfering. It's not relaxing, doing nothing, but that's why like, you run. Like the problem that people have is they forget we're not machines. We're an organism. We like biomechanics. I was talking with someone the other day, like there's a difference, but you know, biomechanics is how do we apply mechanical engineering to the body? And so from a biomechanical engineering standpoint, pushing and pulling can make sense. If I was just, you know, uh, designing a a machine from scratch to power a bike, I'd have it push and pull. But the problem is, is we're an organism. We have a brain that comes pre-wired with with ways to move. And so that's kind of what the whole barefoot running movement found is that when you interfere with the way that we are wired to move and we're supposed to move, you really mess up the whole system. And so that's the whole problem with the, you know, the, the clipless pedals and the current flat pedal and the whole push up on the, you know, push it through the ball of the foot because you want to use the ankle and, and pull up on the backstroke. All that makes sense from a mechanical engineering standpoint or, or biomechanical mm. engineering standpoint. But when you look at the organism and you take all of these other things into account, you realize like, oh, wait a minute, that's not what we want to do. We want to just, you know, the, the brain comes wired. So when you drive hard with the lead leg, the trail leg, it, it automatically comes up you don't have to think about it 
And when you start putting neural juice towards pulling that leg up harder than it wants to come up by itself, you actually take neural juice away from the drive of the lead leg. You're not adding to the pedal stroke when you do that. You're actually subtracting from your strongest part of your pedal stroke to try to add to the weakest part of the pedal stroke. And the net math doesn't add up. And your body's just wasting energy doing it. So it all makes sense from a movement standpoint. The science backs all this up. But you have an entire industry. There's a lot of money tied up in clipless pedals. There's a lot of egos tied up in the whole uh, thing. And so to eventually you just have to realize, like, you know, most people aren't interested in the truth. They're interested in making sure they feel good about themselves. But uh, anyways, I'm here to help the people that really are interested in, uh, in, in what the truth is and how that applies mm. to their bike and realize I'm not calling you an idiot, man. It's not your fault. Right? Like you've been <laughs> lied to by an industry that knows these things and continues to promote this BS because they know that this is what sells their product. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And there's, uh, there's certainly a lot of clipless pedals out there and a lot of flats. Um but, Stuff will get a lot more flats for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you can see, you can see it, and you know, I, I don't want to mention any names because I'm not a hundred percent sure where I read it, but on one of the major websites, um, it was talking about flats coming back into the the downhill racing scene. So that's quite interesting in itself. Um, I must dig that out and have a read, have a read of it and see what it says. But yeah. Yeah. Well, the That's problem is, man, a lot of these guys, and, and it's, again, not to like cut you off, but you know, like I saw it happen with Aaron Gwynn. Um, I had a, have an interview with Connor Fearon, uh, who's a, another flat pedal ripper, and he talks about the pressure to switch to clipless once you get to that level. So there's a lot of these guys who who get really high up, who can do it on flat pedals, but there is this stigma that you have to overcome and it's really hard to overcome that stigma of you'll be faster on clipless pedals. And so I can see it making its way. What I see, it's kind of this, this pendulum thing where you got this crop of kids who come up and they're like, man, I'm just going to do my thing. Like I know I can ride flats and, uh, but eventually they got to start towing the line at some point if you make it to a certain level in the industry uh, because somebody's got to pay your paycheck. And a lot of these companies that pay your paycheck, like, again, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong. And I, I don't, I, I don't know how to put this and not sound like an accusatory asshole, but I find it interesting that like someone like Sam Hill is probably one of the quietest flat pedal advocates out there mm. like he says mm. nothing about it he lets his riding speak for himself which is great and that may be his plan but you know even the guys that do ride flat pedals like connor like he's not really vocal like these pros are not super vocal about flats and their benefits and that more people should consider riding them because the the clipless may be a little overrated you, you know what i mean so mm, even yeah. when you get a flat pedal guy who gets to a certain level, there's just a certain amount of pressure from the industry to like, hey, man, you got to toe the line and at least at the very least not say anything like you for God's sake, you could you can't speak up and actually like advocate for flat pedals like so. Um, but anyway, so that's yeah, I don't I, like I said, I mean, cut you off, but I can see that happening. But unfortunately, mm. the industry forces eventually 
uh, hold sway over some of that stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, I've seen I've seen Sam putting out um, some hashtags. I think it's flats for life or something like that. He uses yeah. at times. Yeah, man, I I love. I don't, I don't want anyone to take this wrong. I don't expect for I don't expect for Sam to do anything that Sam does. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I have noticed a pattern of that professional riders who do use flat pedals tend to not be very vocal about their benefits and, and the, the need for uh, mm. people to, you know, when you ask them about it, they'll be like, oh, yeah, but there's not a whole lot of, like, going out of their way to be mm. like, look, man, like, clipless pedal industry has kind of got some people bamboozled. Like, a lot of people out there would be just fine on flats. And so, um, but I think that that's kind of where people get confused because like they don't hear that message from these top flat pedal riders. And so the message that they do hear actively is clipless pedals are the way. And Mm -hmm. so anyways, but that's what I'm here for, man. I'm, I'm the, I'm the dude to take the, uh, (laughs) lead the charge and take the hate and all that. And I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I've already made peace with that's what, uh, that's what I've been put here in the mountain biking world to do, apparently. <laughs> cool. Oh, well. You that's, accept that you're fit. That's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, tell us a wee bit, James, about um, hip movement then and how that works on the bike and how that would compare working on the bike from flats to clipless. Is there any difference in that area huge, of it? Huge difference with it. And, and it all comes down to that foot support. So anybody who's, who's ever been in a gym before – You've probably had someone explain to you that you don't want to come up on the balls of your feet when you're lifting. That, you know, generally speaking, obviously there's there's specific exercises like Hindu squats and stuff like that that you do, but the vast majority of exercises, lower body exercises, you want to make sure that you have your heel down on the ground. And if you ever get like some coaching, you'll start hearing coaches tell you to drive through your heel when you're you're doing your squats and your deadlifts and your lunges so when you're coming up you want to actually be driving through the heel to do that now there's a reason for that is because that's what helps you recruit your hips the best and your hips are the strongest most powerful muscle in the lower body they are designed to produce and take the most amount of stress and so when you come when you destabilize the arch when you take the the pressure off of the back end of the arch and you put all the pressure on the front end of the arch it changes how the body creates movement. Now the body can't, it literally, your brain inhibits the recruitment of the hips. You cannot recruit your hips as effectively if you do not have some stability under the backside of the arch of your foot. It's just a basic, basic movement principle, movement 101, okay? And so when you have a clipless pedal or a traditional flat pedal that is that's too small to support, and there's a difference too between a stiff-soled shoe and having a pedal that supports your foot, they're not the same thing. Having this small, unstable platform underneath your foot with a stiff-soled shoe is not the same thing because now you're applying pressure into the sole of the shoe and the sole of the shoe is applying pressure into the pedal body. That is Mm. different for your foot than your foot applying the pressure directly into the pedal body itself. It's completely different from the way that your foot is going to function in the way that your body is going to function, uh, those two scenarios. And so, you know, that those two things right there inhibit your body's ability to create strong 
functional movement, and they place stress on more sensitive areas like the the calf and Achilles tendon and the knees. This is also gets up into the hips and the low back as well. But once you get the heel supported, once you get the back end of the arch supported, and you can drive through the whole foot, now you're able to recruit your hips more effectively. And so you're able to produce more power and do it more efficiently than you can with uh, any other platform. Yeah, and you think that that's what the catalyst pedal, your pedal, provides. That's what it allows to do. So that's mainly what's different b- between your pedal and, say, other flat pedals that are on the market. Yeah, I mean, the, the difference is, is the catalyst pedal is the world's first midfoot optimized pedal. It is designed to optimize the midfoot position, which is your ability to apply pressure through the front and the back of the arch evenly. Like that's when, when people say the midfoot position, like that's basically what they're talking about is where is the stress and the pressure on the, on the arch. And so we, the, the traditional way of looking at the pedal stroke has been to push through the ball of the foot. And a couple of reasons for this one, it looks like running or walking. And since you push through the ball of the foot when you're running or walking, well, you need to push through the ball of the foot when you're cycling. And you also have this idea of ankling, where if you're not on the ball of your foot, you're not able to push and pull with your ankle as well. And so these are the two most common like theories thrown out for why you need to um, you know, be on the ball of your foot. And if you only need to be on the ball of your foot, you, you don't need a big platform. You can have a pretty small platform. Like That's why flat puddles are the size they are. They're the size to support the ball of your foot. That's it. And so... But like I said, that the, the movement principles, the difference is when your foot is coming off of what it is in contact with. So when you're running, walking, jumping, something like that, you do end that movement by pushing through the ball of your foot. Although most of the time you begin the movement with a more midfoot position or creating that energy from a midfoot uh, spot and then transferring the energy to the ball of the foot. You, you very rarely, I mean like jump roping or something is probably like one of the only – times that you're truly truly just on the balls of your foot uh and never letting the energy transfer back and forth but that's the uh so but if your foot isn't coming off of what it's in contact with so like when you're uh you know sitting down into a chair or you're squatting or deadlifting in the gym or you're picking up a box off the front porch that those are times that you want the whole foot to stay in contact with the ground that's why you're told to keep your heel down so when you look at a bike your foot doesn't come off the pedal. Like that's that's the that's the optical illusion that screws us up. Is we see our bodies moving through space, and it looks like this dynamic motion without realizing like we're riding something that's carrying us through space. We want to have that midfoot position because our foot is not coming off of the bike. We want it to stay on the bike. In fact, if you look at other sports like skating and surfing and equestrian riding and even motocross. They use a lot of midfoot position. They're not exclusively on the balls of their feet because, mm. like us, they're riding something that's carrying them through space. They're not propelling their own center of gravity through space. So all these analogies that people throw out for why you want to be on the ball of their foot, they're false analogies. They're all sports that have you running and jumping, and you're propelling your center of gravity through space, right? The analogies we need to be looking at are what are the sports where they're riding something that's propelling their center of gravity through space. And you see them using, if not predominantly, at least 
some of the time using that midfoot position. So to say that cyclists need to be on the ball of their foot, uh, either from a, a performance standpoint or an agility standpoint, shows just a complete lack of understanding of the science and the movement principles that really govern what's going on on the bike and really just a clinging to the past because it's usually people who have like you know some ego or their reputation because you know they've said it for a long time and taught people for a long time that this is what it is it's like people would rather eat glass man than admit that they were wrong it is crazy to watch people freak out in the straws that they grasp at in the face of this much evidence and it's like where's your science brother and it's like i don't what do you mean science i have all these analogies it's like man so anyways Yes, yeah. there you it go. Is, it's, it's really interesting you say that because I've been a surfer for a long time. And there was, I don't know why, but there was a stage I went through where I got into a bad habit when I was turning and going on my forehand to the right-hand side, so I was facing the wave. For some reason, and mainly only on bigger bigger waves, for some reason I got into a bad habit and I started, whether it was just bad foot position, position too forward in the board, but I started going on to the ball of my foot onto my toes almost mm. when I done my bottom turn and I lost all connection with the board and the board always ended up sliding out. I lost the fins, the yeah. board would always slide out. So it's very interesting that you see that on the bike as well. And that makes sense the way you, the way you explain it there. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, that's, that's the same thing. It's not, you can't effectively transfer energy from your foot into your board or your pedal or, or you know, what you're on, mm. on from the ball of your foot. You, you, the only thing that you can do from the ball of your foot is project yourself away from that object. Mm. If you're trying to project energy into an object, then you're, it, it, it's more of that, that midfoot position. So, um, yeah, man. And that's why you probably notice like cornering on the cattle's pedals is a completely different sensation mm. than normal pedals. It feels way more like cornering on skis. Than, than normal pedals because you actually have now that you have your arch supported or you can twist your foot and turn your foot and actually start to transfer those rotational forces that you really need to to you know properly corner your bike because as you're twisting and turning your body like your feet should be twisting and turning as well like they should be mm. transferring that twisting and turning into the pedals and you can't do that on clipless pedals. If you did that, you would unclip. So you, mm -hmm. you like that's one thing. Like you literally can't apply proper cornering technique on clipless pedals. I know people don't want to hear this, but a good corner should finish with some sort of screwing motion of the feet into your pedals, just like you would when you were skiing, just like you would on your surfboard or skateboard or you know any of those things, man. And you you can't do that on clipless pedals. You have to train yourself to stop just short of your feet in in uh, creating that turn. So, um, but anyways, yeah, that's that is exactly yeah. it. Well, well, let's talk a wee bit about because you were you were kind enough to send me a, a set of your pedals um, after we chatted on the last podcast um, about your training programs and stuff. So, can I just read out to you how I found the pedals? Yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah, okay, so this was the difference I found. Now, I've used them uh, five, six times now, maybe, and I used them on a trail I was not kind of used to. I also used them on my local trail, so I knew where I was going. I knew how to ride parts and all. So this is what I found. First of all, I found I was more confident on the bike. 
I was because I felt more stable on the bike. I was more confident going into corners. Um, better cornering for sure. Definitely felt that. Um, pedal pushing when standing was a big difference. And to be honest, I would never really stand and pedal that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny when I was using the catalyst pedal, I found myself doing that more or wanting to do that more. <laughs> you feel like you're a kid on your BMX bike, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, some of my old BMX kind of traits started to come back to me and I had to slap myself and say, don't do that. Uh, but anyway, um, I had no foot slippage and I was using the small pins that come in the pedal. You also provide a larger, longer pin if you need it. But oh. I had no foot slippage with the smaller pins. Um, I Once I get used to the pedal, that's one thing I will say. It took me probably two, maybe three rides, two rides, I'll say, yep. to get used to the pedal I'm and just where to Totally agree with you on that. I've done the same yeah. thing. Um, I had no or very little pedal strikes once I get used to the pedals. Uh, because I think when people see the pedals, they're long and they think, oh, well, that's going to give you loads of pedal strikes. But it's actually the thickness of the pedal that yeah. really does that rather than the length. Yeah. And um, the other thing, too, just real quick, like you're also because you have a even forces in the pedal, you don't have the extreme forward toe tipping that you mm. get with a normal set of flats. And so you're actually exposing like the pedals not tipping down as far as a normal mm-hmm. pair of flats would so it's actually exposing less of it to rock strikes and so that's uh um that's one of the reasons why it's a little larger but you you usually see either the same or actually fewer rock strikes than normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um the other thing i found more stability on downhill sections definitely i i could i was just hitting stuff harder um with more confidence, um, I felt the bike better. That's the only way I can describe that. Um, uphill sections, I'm not sure because I don't use a Strava or don't use any timing technique. So I kind of tend to push myself quite hard every time I go go out. So if I'm going uphill, I try to go as kind of hard as I can. So, <laughs> Me too. You know, I just hard, take <laughs> I just want to get yeah. them all going. <laughs> <laughs> get to the top as quickly as you can. So I had nothing to kind of gauge that with. I, I don't know if I was getting to the top any easier because I was probably getting to the top faster. I, I'm just not sure about yeah. that. So, you know, I, I won't comment on that. Um, but I know, I will know when I go out with my re- riding mate because I haven't read with him yet since I've got your pedal. So when I go out with him next time, if I burn him to the top, I'll know that it's definitely affecting my <laughs> time to the top. So bar that, James, is there any other kind of benefits that you should feel or get get from the pedals what would you what would you say about that no man i think that's a pretty good uh um uh, a pretty good summary of, of i mean a, a really typical experience for someone who starts to use mm-hmm. the catalyst pedals like you said like you know you probably noticed there was some stuff your from your very first ride but like you said it took you like probably about halfway through your third ride i'm gonna guess mm-hmm. before it finally started to like the foot the new foot position you started to have to think less about it but really one of the things you, you probably noticed as well is like once you set your foot there it stays there you don't get the little like micro movements that you get with a normal pair of flats that you know eventually you got to readjust your foot to get it comfortable again and then it gets kind of shaken out of place and then you got to readjust it and man once you set your feet there they're there they're they're done so 
there's not a matter of, uh, of constantly having to think about resetting your feet. Like once you set them, they're there, but yeah, it gets a little more natural after the third ride. Um, I would say like, uh, comfort wise, did you notice anything from just like with your feet and, and lower legs or anything from just a, a comfort, uh, standpoint? Well, what, what I will say, and it's just really popped under my head now, um, when I would climb on the flat pedals I had, um, I would change my foot position when I climbed to when I went downhill. Mm. But on your pedals, I don't need to do that. Yeah. So, so wasn't that weird? And I don't know why I do that, but I, I did, I did do that for sure. Yeah. Well, because your foot's just trying to kind of seek some sort of stability for the task at hand, and and when you've mm. given it a, a suboptimal platform, it's gonna kind of figure out okay what what can i do like that's the thing the human body is such an amazingly adaptive organism so it can do really well in a suboptimal condition but that's not the same thing as thriving in an optimal condition and that's that's the thing i try to get to explain to people like man i know that you're riding really well and i know that you feel like you're doing really well with the pedals that you got but you don't realize that you are surviving a suboptimal condition and you're just a testament to how adaptable the human body is Right. But once you get yourself where, okay, this is where your foot can thrive, then it just stays. It it can just relax. Like for me, one of the things I noticed was, uh, especially on longer rides, I would get uh, my right pinky toe would start to go numb uh, after a while. And and like that just doesn't happen anymore. So that was when I realized like you're not getting those forward forces into the toe box all the time. That's that's another kind Mm -hmm. of side benefit of the more even force transfer into the pedals. Um, so, but yeah, I'd, I'd say that uh, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, overview of, of what people can expect. But yeah, the comfort thing is kind of another one. I think if there's, if you're suffering from something, I think it's a little more pronounced because we have a lot of riders who have foot pain or knee pain or ankle pain or, you know, something specific. And they notice within the first few rides that the pain is all but gone uh mm. from riding and so uh um so yeah that's uh yeah that's that's it man yeah so i i think uh your pedals are definitely you know i definitely do see a different and i'm not just saying that because you're on the show and i'm not just saying that because you sent me a set <laughs> I, uh you know and, and i'm not trying to sell pedals on the show either but you know i'm just giving my honest true opinion yeah what i found Man, this thing's, um, I, yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on your camp. I'm not doing this to make any money. I'm just doing it to give people information and try and help people enjoy the ride more and enjoy getting out there and, and uh, become better riders, really. So, yeah. Um, and I know because we have a mutual friend and I know how Louis talks of you as well. And um, I know that that's the perspective you come from for definite. So um, well done on getting this pedal out. And I know you've come up against a lot of uh, a lot of people and uh, a lot of industry leaders and things like that. So so well done. Awesome. Let us know, James, uh, about the – you got an award recently for the pedals? Uh, yeah. Pedals, about that? Yeah, it was, a, a, it was a Bend Outdoor Works conference. There's a uh, accelerator group, um, you know, which is uh, basically a you know, group of uh, business people that get together and they want to mentor and help, um, you know, startups. And so there's a group of Bend, Oregon – that did a conference uh, and so I went out and I was selected to come out and present at that conference and we actually won 
uh, our category for that. So that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was really cool. That was a good, uh, experience. It was fun to go out and, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun afterwards. The guy, one of the guys came up to me and he was like, you know, man, you, that was a great presentation. He's like, we had a couple people that were, you know, thinking about wanting to vote for the other companies. He's like, I was like, screw that. It's like, what, what James is doing is disruptive, man. And that's what we're about. I was like, yeah, buddy. So like, I know there's people out there like that are, you know, they're about like stuff like this. Like, yeah, man, disrupting the norm for a positive reason. Like, that's the thing. It's not just doing it just to get attention and it's not just doing it to make a buck. It's like really trying to make positive change by disrupting a system that is hurting people that don't even realize that they're being hurt. And so, uh, so yeah, no, that's, uh, uh we, we did, we won that award and, um, uh, which was good cause it actually got us on the radar for a few other things. And we've recently accepted into, uh, the Telluride venture accelerator program. So Telluride is a uh, really, uh, you know, pretty well-known mountain town here in Colorado and same thing. They have a, a group of business people that have gotten together and, and put together this, uh, you know, the Telluride Venture Accelerator program to help companies like mine uh, get to that next level, not to beat an overused term to death. But uh, um, <laughs> so, yeah, that we just got accepted for that. So we'll be spending this year working with them. And I got to go live in Telluride for a few weeks. Uh, and they're going to be working with us pretty intensely on helping get the, the business. Because it's definitely a big change for me coming from, being bike James and being pretty much a solo act. And, you know, I, I had a training facility and had people working for me there and stuff like that, but definitely trying to take this pedal to where it needs to be. Because like my mission really is that in 20 years, like this pedal is the new standard. Like I want people in 50 years to look back and think like, what were those idiots thinking? Like that, that's really my goal. You know, like how we look back on stuff and we're like, God, what were those people thinking back then? And it's like, that's why I really think that we're going to be thinking that about the cycling industry and, and how they looked at pedaling your bike for so long. And, uh, so yeah, that's the, uh, that's the ultimate goal, man. So, um, but yeah, getting, getting help from organizations like that's definitely one of those, um, just kind of cool things. Like we were talking about earlier, how things seem to fall in place when you're trying to do the right thing for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's awesome, and you, you need that networking help really to to make anything anything work. So that that's brill. That's, yeah, that's great. Um, so James, how can people get a hold of your pedals, and what kind of price do they need to to spend to get a set? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got uh, uh, pedalinginnovations.com is the website. You can also find us uh, on Facebook and Instagram at, at Pedaling Innovations. Um, we have uh, they're ninety nine dollars. Um, you know, plus shipping, uh, I've worked really hard to keep that price point there. And, and like you said, mm -hmm. realistically, the quality of those pedals, you're usually paying in the 130 to $150 range. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. so I, you know, I have, uh, worked hard to keep them at a level that I didn't want price to be too big of a hurdle for people. We also offer a 30 day money back guarantee. It's completely unheard of, unprecedented in the cycling industry. And I do that because of, of how strongly I feel in the product. And two, just because like, that's how I would want a company to do me. Like I always hated when companies would come out with something new and they're like, Oh, just trust us, buy it. And it's like, what if I don't like it? Well, 
too bad. You're out all that money. It's like, <laughs> no, man, if you believe in this enough, you should back it up with some sort of guarantee. So that always like kind of made me a little mad about the cycling industry in general is they never guaranteed crap, which always made me a little suspicious of them. But we do, a, a, man, it doesn't have to be 30 days. We let people send them back. It's like, if, if they don't work for you, send them back. We'll give you your money back. Um, that's, but uh, we do have, uh, I can, I'll, I'll let it out on the, the podcast here, um, <laughs> a UK distributor uh, in the works. Wow. So oh, very good. Very good. Yes. We're hoping that we're actually going to have, um, cause we, we set up a manufacturer there in the UK. And so they're actually going to be locally produced pedals and uh, they're going to be helping me distribute them there into the, the rest of the EU. And, um, so yeah, we're really excited about that. That's definitely going to be, uh, you know, later this year, we're hoping here in the next couple months to have that ready to roll. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so we're, if, if you're ordering right now, uh, you know, from the UK or overseas, then, uh, you have to pay the overseas shipping, which mm. is, it's worth it to be honest with you. I mean, they're the best, you still be the cheapest noticeable upgrade you can put on your bike. And, uh, but eventually, like I said, I wanted to get it to where I could get it into people's hands over there. Cause I, I do have some really dedicated shops and, and, and customers over there on that side of the pond. And so I'm, I'm really happy to be able to, to better service them and, and hopefully be able to get them, uh, you know, get them on more bikes. So, um, yeah, brilliant. No, well, that's exciting. And, uh, I was going to ask you if there was anything new planned for the future, but that's, that's pretty major. Yeah, cool. man, between the Tire Adventure Accelerator program and where we're going to go with them and getting the, this, you know, been working on this deal for over two years. Uh, yeah. you know, I just want to make sure we did it right. And cause there's definitely a level, it's so important to me to maintain the quality and the customer service and everything because if there's anything that people will notice man you can come to our site and yeah we've got a ton of great reviews about the performance but the thing that i really like is how many comments that we get about our service and how we've taken care of people and really gone out of our way to make sure that that they're taken care of because i've been burned so many times by people in the cycling industry i've been so frustrated you're trying to get a part warranty and you got some dude on the other end he doesn't give a crap and it's just, oh, it's maddening. So I went into this like, man, I'm going to have the best service in the cycling industry, which isn't that hard to do, really, considering the fucking <laughs> most of them put up. But, uh, man, we really go out of our way to take care of people and make sure we're, we're treating them like, you know, one of us, not just a, a number. So, um, yeah, man, it's like I said, it's about each individual and what it's doing for them and, and how, uh, how we're helping them. So, uh, yeah, it's been, been fun. Awesome. Well, you're... You believe in the product. It is a great product, and uh, I hope everything goes well for you and uh, you get over this side. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can benefit from from having your pedals and giving them a blast, that's for sure. Yeah, well, thanks, Gareth. I really appreciate the the support and the, the opportunity to tell more people about it. And Yeah, I mean, it's, it's people like you that are really behind the success of the Catalyst Puddle because if I, I didn't have riders like you who were open-minded enough to try them and – then willing to to talk about them and help spread the word you know they, they never would have gotten off the ground and so man it, 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 i really appreciate uh you know what, what you're doing to help the mission as well no well I, I i personally think if it helps people i'll certainly you know i'll definitely give it my honest opinion and and that's all i can really do you know yeah. and uh 
and and certainly you know anybody that i see on the trail if they want to swap pedals for a few runs we can do that there's no problem <laughs> <laughs> as long as they don't have clipless that's right yeah yeah no man. at this point i don't think you can pay me to ride those things now that i now that i got my catalyst i'm just like why i mean my feet never come off the puddles i've got way more like here's the thing too like you really want to like that aluminum body's never going to flex on that pedal. You can have the stiffest carbon solid shoes that you can buy and they're going to have a little bit of flex. Like they're, you know, maybe not right off the bat, but they're eventually going to develop a little bit of flex. So you can actually, you know, I'd argue you can transfer power more efficiently through that. I'd rather have, you know, soft soled shoes and my catalyst pedals, man. Like I ride those things in flip flops, man. That's, that's like one of those aha moments for me is when I jump on my bike and flip flops. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude, I can put down power. And my toes don't feel like they're in danger. I was like, this is a totally different experience, man. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I tell people. You can lay down power and flip-flops. So what other pedal can you do that in? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's that's a good testament. Though I wouldn't take it, uh, I wouldn't take it on. No, no. no. <laughs> I won't lie, man. I have thought about it. I have thought, like, man, I, just to prove a point, just to be like, look, man, like, you don't even need – I mean, I hate to you know say it, but like shoe companies like Five Ten, man, they're gonna need. This is uh, they don't even realize what's on the horizon because you don't need sticky rubber anymore. Like this, this super sticky rubber, like the Stealth. I've been a Five Ten advocate forever, but I realized that the Stealth rubber was just the best because it was the stickiest, and it, it you, you would get that forward toe tipping, that forward motion from the unstable platform, and so you have to fight that forward motion, and so that sticky rubber was like the best thing for your shoe for doing that. Now that you don't have to fight that forward motion, now that you can actually kind of dig your heel down a little bit and and mm. uh, get that platform under your foot, you can ride whatever shoes you want. I mean, I got people that are using like, you know, minimalist trail running shoes uh, on these things and setting PRs on their Strava time. So yeah, you uh, it really opens up a lot of shoe options for people because you're not just beholden to 510 and their sticky rubber and whatever dumbass designs they want to come out with pretending that we're all high school kids you want to kick it with each other at the coffee shop it's like where are the good trail riding flat pedal shoes people you know what i mean like an entire industry is just ignoring us and pretending like we don't exist like we're all downhillers and free riders if you ride flat pedals you're a downhiller free rider so here's your skate shoe with sticky rubber on it it's like come on man so anyways, sorry, just a little pet peeve. Yeah, no, it's cool. And, you know, the I have never, and I'll say this true hardly, I've never actually read a bike with clipless pedals. But I'll tell you why I haven't. Because my riding partner who kind of got me into mountain biking in the first place, he rides clipless. But I hadn't proper shoes to ride you know, to ride clipless. So I just naturally went flats. I didn't really want to spend money on a different pair of shoes. I didn't want to spend money on another set of pedals. But not alone that, what I seen him having to do on his clipless just didn't really sell them to me. You know, he was having to clean out his shoes every other ride. He was having to clean out his pedals. When he came to stop, you know, it just looked awkward to me. It didn't look natural. I have knee issues i didn't want to be really twisting my knee like that i pull my foot out yeah. and certainly i now this is just me just looking at this and, and and riding behind uh calm but there's certain times i think when he's going into corners 
He's maybe backing off a wee bit because he feels that if he get if he washes out the front or something goes, he won't be able to get his foot out quick enough. I think it maybe holds him back a wee bit. I could be wrong. Nah. That's just what I'm observing, you know. I I'd agree with you, man. I think clipless puddles hold people back way more than they want to admit, and they don't realize it because they've become really good at kind of tuning it out. But I tell people that like, man, if you pre-unclip for anything, then you are scared of not being able to unclip. You're, you're just smart enough to do it. You know what I mean? You pre-unclip. But that's the thing that cracks me up too. It's like usually people pre-unclip before like kind of the, the, the stuff where you would probably want your foot to be most attached to your bike. You know what I mean? So clipless pedals a lot of times put people in a more dangerous situation because they're trying to ride through, you know, without being clipped in because they're scared of not being able to get unclipped. And that puts them in even a more precarious position. And yeah, cornering and yeah, I... I totally agree, man. Like I said, I, I kind of went through the same thing. I had, I, you know, I had a flat power rider that I was riding with and I could see how good he was. But by the same token, man, I was just seeing all of the same things with the Clippers power riders. And I think a lot of it, man, I, I tell people it's like the modern day emperor's new clothes, you know, where, where everyone didn't want to be the first one to say they thought that old boy was naked. And everyone who tries Clippers puddles <laughs> think they suck. Like, no one came back from their mm. first ride on Clipless Pedals going like, hallelujah, that was so much fun. That was the best ride I've ever had on my bike. That was awesome. You know what I mean? That's mm. that's not anyone's first reaction to Clipless Pedals. It's usually like, okay, that was rough. It's going to get better. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and you just have to mm-hmm. – and, and, and but you think you're the only one who thinks that. You're looking around, and everyone else is on Clipless Pedals, and they're all like, oh, what are you talking about? No, they're just fun. Not realizing, like, they think the same thing, but they don't want to be the first one to say it. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, man. It's just, that's, that's what I feel like the flat pedal revolution manifesto was. Like we were talking earlier about how there's more flat pedals on the, on the trail. Now there's definitely way more flat pedals on the trail than there were when I started riding in 2000. And I feel a big part of that, you know, hopefully at least a small part of it is stuff like the flat pedal revolution manifesto and more people working to get the truth out there and, uh, you know, to let people know what the, what the truth is so that they can, um, you know, take advantage of it and not get trapped by the, the freaking that mindset, man. It just, it holds so many people back and they just don't even realize it. But yeah, man, it just takes one person to mm-hmm. go like, man, I, I think old boy's naked. And then the next person's like, dude, I thought I was the only one. I think he's naked too. And like, I think that's kind of what you're seeing with this whole flat pedal revolution that, that's going on is that just more and more people are like, yeah, man, I thought I was the only one. And I see more people that I realize I'm not. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool, man. It's yeah. Overall. So. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, James, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I know we touched a wee bit on the pedals on the last episode you were on, but, um, I wanted to get more in depth into it because I know it's something that people maybe struggle with. And I know it's something I struggled with at the start. I was like, should I be flat? Should I be clipless? What should I be doing here? Yeah. Am I less of a rider because I'm riding flat? Uh, Am I clipless? Yeah. You know, I know. Um, but I just, I just settled on what I thought worked for me. So that's the way I went. Um, but thanks so much for coming on chatting about it. I really appreciate it. And I hope it, uh, I hope it maybe lets people see why people ride flats and the benefits they can get from your catalyst pedal as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, my my goal is to just get people to think for themselves. I'm not saying trust me. Like, look into it for yourself. I've got the science and stuff posted on the website. You know, do some research on your own. But if I can at least get one person who listens to this to think for themselves and start to look into it for themselves uh, instead of just trusting what the industry is telling them, 
then that's great, man. I feel like we've, we've done a service. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. No problems, dear. Well, thanks very much again. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you in the near future because I, I would like to invite you back on and chat about your, because I am doing your, your training program and we can maybe yeah. do a, a, a do a wee podcast about that and I'll let you know how I'm getting on and no. maybe some of the pitfalls I've had or whatever. No, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, we were talking a little bit before the podcast about it and I thought we were uh, covering some good stuff. So yeah, man, I think that'd be fun to jump on with you and just kind of go over some uh, some stuff with you. Cool. Excellent. Well, thanks very much again, James. Appreciate it. And uh, you have a good day there because I know it's still morning time for you. <laughs> yeah, man, no problem. I, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, yeah, anytime. All right. Take care. Thanks. That's a wrap for episode number 25, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. A little bit different for the podcast and the debate on the, the pedals will go on and go on. There's no doubt about that. But I, I hope you found that interesting and you uh, learnt some more information there on the flats versus clipless debate. So it's up to you, people. I'm not telling you whether to ride flats or clipless. Definitely not. It's an individual choice. That's what I love about this game. You can make your own choice and on what suits you best. So go for that. But thanks so much for James for coming on the show. I love chatting to James. He's so into mountain biking. It's unbelievable and the whole fitness side of things, etc., etc. So He's a great fella to have involved with the podcast. So, James, thank you so much again, sir, for coming on and chatting to us and letting us pick your brains about what you're interested in and what you see is uh, really interesting within the mountain biking industry. So, cool, man. I really appreciate that. And thanks again. If you enjoyed the episode and want to find out more about James Wilson and Pedaling Innovations and his Catalyst Pedal, you can visit the show notes at mtb-tribe.com. There are links and videos on there that you can click on and get easy access to James's pedal info and also to his website for more info on his pedals and how to purchase, etc. So please do that. So folks, if you want to get more involved in the show, you can go to the website, mtb-tribe.com. You will be able to listen to all the shows there on the website. You'll also be able to download them to your laptops or your PC or, or your phone or whatever way you want to do that and listen directly from there. It's all free, of course. You can also listen via iTunes and via Stitcher. So if you're doing one of those, please do rate the show and share it with friends if you will. And of course, five stars is always the best. I always like to see five stars on there, which is awesome. So it helps us be found more so on the social platforms of iTunes and Stitcher, etc. And just helps the show out and gets more people listening. So thanks again for that, folks, if you're doing that. I appreciate that also. And you can also find us on socials. Instagram is at MTB Tribe and Facebook, MTB Tribe. So go on there, get involved and give me a shout out and I will I will uh, see that and get back to you for sure. Now you can also subscribe via the website. Um, just go to the subscribe section and jot in your email address there and you'll get show notes of the latest episode there as well to your inbox. I won't bombard you with emails throughout the week, nothing like that. Now I am in the process of updating certain things for subscribers, giving them a wee bit more info on the show and a wee bit more behind the scenes stuff if you like. So that's coming in the near future. I am working on that in my spare time so just bear with me and you will receive that stuff if you have subscribed in the near future. You can also contact me via the website. There's a contact section there as well. Fill that in and send that to me and I do read all the contact 
notes etc so I will get back to you but just give me a few days uh, because sometimes I can't be on the wee bit behind but I will get back to you and appreciate anybody getting involved I really do it's all about the community and keeping people involved and letting people know what's happening so um, I, I really say thank you big time to anybody that's doing that and, and keeping the podcast um, going from week to week so thank you very much so folks I hope you enjoyed the episode thanks for being here I will see you next week for another exciting episode but hopefully I'll see you before that on the trails have a great week folks and a better weekend 